everyone and welcome to the Bell Collective podcast. Bell Collective is a community for professional women who want to change stereotypes surrounding female travel and creative choices. And I'm your host, Alina Rudia. Today, my guest is my friend and an Istanbul-born and currently Berlin-based photographer, Helen Barakat. Together, we discuss architecture photography, responsibilities of Instagram influencers, and bad, worse, and the worst things about social media. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe. Hello, Helen, how are you? Hi, Alina, I'm great. Uh, it's a great day today in Berlin. It's warm, everything's perfect, and how are you? Well, I'm great too, and the weather in Berlin is definitely perfect today because yeah. I'm in Berlin as well. Yeah. Um, instead of meeting uh, meeting somewhere outside, we are now sitting at home and uh, talking over over our computers. That's the future, yeah. isn't it? Hmm. Uh, yeah, better than nothing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Well, um, let's uh, go straight to it. Um, I think um, I won't introduce you. Or I, I already introduced you uh, in my um, uh, in my introduction, but probably tell our audience a little bit about your yourself, where you're from, and what is that you do. Okay, my name is Helen. You probably know that already. I'm originally from Istanbul, Turkey. I'm based in Berlin. I studied architecture in Istanbul and worked um, as an architect a couple of years before I moved to Berlin in 2008. And now I'm working as a freelance photographer and content creator. And I also work part-time um, in the marketing team of an architecture office. So this is basically what I do, photography, content creation, social media. Uh, you you said you're from Istanbul. So why mm -hmm. did you actually move to Berlin from, from such a great city as Istanbul is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every everybody, every tourist say the same thing, actually. Everybody likes Istanbul, but um, living in Istanbul is kind of different, I think. I felt like I'm done with the city. It's too big and too stressful and too unfair. And working conditions for architects architects are just terrible in Istanbul you know it's basically too much work for less money that's what and I've heard from all the architects in Berlin too <laughs> yeah it's a that's true actually it's a common thing for architects but in Istanbul you basically work on Saturdays for example you know you have oh. to work on Saturdays and this is terrible isn't it Well, I mean, I, I have I have a feeling that as a freelancer, I don't really have weekends anymore because I I work uh, at any day. I, I don't really see a difference between a Monday and a Sunday most of the time. But I can imagine that not having any breaks or working on Saturdays is not something you really want to do. I mean, I'm a freelancer too, and I, I know what you mean, but we work for ourselves. We, we don't work for any other person, first yeah. of all, you know, you, you have your own, own job and I have my own job. So this, is, this makes a huge difference, I think. Yeah, um, sometimes sometimes I'm I'm really like I have those kind of days when I'm like, you know what? I wish I just had a job where I would go. Uh, just work my shift till like six o'clock and then I just finish and forget yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I know. That's the worst part of being a freelancer. You basically work, um, you always work. But um, it's still, you know, we have the freedom to say, okay, I don't work. I, I don't want to work anymore now. I'm, mm. I'm done with my work. I'm going out. I'm going to work out or something. 
we have this freedom <laughs> and this is what I really um, like, I think, about being a freelancer. But yeah, yeah. there are bad sides as well. Uh, so you said you studied architecture and you actually worked as an architect. Um, why did you also decided to basically shift your focus onto photography? Because I think I never enjoyed um, working as an architect. I'm so into architecture. I love architecture, but I don't want to work as an architect because I've never been into this technical side of architecture. You know, I, I'm... I worked in the design teams, actually, mostly. And design is just a tiny part of architecture. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't see any um, opportunities for development for myself. You know, I decided to keep studying, that's why. And it wasn't oh. architecture. Okay, so what did you study in Berlin exactly? I studied at the um, Kunsthochschule Weissensee, Weissensee School of Arts, I think it's in English. Mm -hmm. So it was basically an art program. Okay, oh, great. But uh, still, uh, if if I'm looking, and I know your photo photography uh, style and uh, your Instagram very well, um, your your architect uh, love for architecture really influenced your your style. Um, how exactly do did you feel it helped to develop your own personal style in photography? I think architecture studies and architectural jobs kind of shape the way you see the world. Mm -hmm. So you you perceive lines and like uh, geometrical shapes and colors different and maybe more intense than before. You mm -hmm. also like um, start to see the details around you. So it, it, I think architecture studies definitely gave me this obsession with, you know, clear compositions and minimalism and geometry in my photography. Yeah. 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 I, I really, I really enjoy uh, seeing, uh, seeing your photos, especially of, of the, uh, I mean, we traveled together a few times and well, actually not a few, I think more than, <laughs> more than a few times. Yes. And I remember that it's always interesting to see what kind of things people see uh, at the same place. Like, you know, some yeah. people photograph food, some people photograph people, and then you would photograph always like buildings and some details of the buildings and like come up with a totally different uh, photo in the end. And this is like something really great about also traveling uh, and travel yeah. photography that you can capture totally different sides of, uh, of traveling, for example. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I always enjoy it, you know, when I travel with people as well with you or with other people. And when I see the outcome um, at the end of the day, it's really fun to see how people see the world so differently. Yeah, I mean, I remember we went uh, when we went to Namibia and uh, we were also photographing not quite different stuff, but then in the end, I think we had like one, one couple of photos which were very similar <laughs> yeah, of, of this little of the little houses. But I think like there's not that much things to that not not that many diversity of a landscape and a cityscape in Namibia <laughs> photograph. It was like yeah. an amazing, amazing trip. But I remember that like yeah, we ended up like some some pictures. I was like, ah, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes you have just exactly almost exact the same photo, and it's also fun. I think you know. Mm, I think it's nice. about having these um, eyes of a photographer. You yeah. see photogenic things around you, and I see them as well. So I remember in Morocco in the desert that was this guy with the blue outfit you remember him we yeah saw him at the same moment and we turned <laughs> at the same moment with our cameras to him 
it was so fun, you know. It, yeah. yeah, it's basically like a little proof of that, oh, uh, I'm doing something right because this another person, another talented photographer is also noticing that this moment is worth capturing. So I think that yeah. there is nothing bad in actually in actually photographing the same thing sometimes. That's that's for mm. sure. I think a lot of people, they're really concerned about uh, that if they're going somewhere with a group, that, you know, that uh, everybody will take the same picture. And sometimes it can be, of course, annoying, especially if you have something in mind and maybe you um, do a little setup and then somebody's copying you. But at the same time, if you are a documentary photographer, I've heard it a lot of times that, For example, war photographers or photographers, usually uh, they, they all travel like in big mm. batches. And when they come to a certain place, there will be not one person, but maybe 10 different photojournalists photographing mm. the same subject. And um, in the end, maybe they come up with similar pictures. But uh, very often you see that still everybody has their own uh, eye and their own angle, which they prefer And uh, yeah, some some people come up with uh, genius uh, photographs which are worthy of a world press uh, photo prize, <laughs> even though there mm. were 10 people at the same place, you know. So it's mm -hmm. quite interesting to see how it, how it works, really. Yeah, I think it also depends why you take these photos, you know. If it's a job and 10 people um, do the same thing, yeah, that can be bad sometimes. I mean, it's fun. It's still fun, but it's sometimes I have, I don't know, sometimes I just want to do something different than the others. Sometimes yeah. I have this feeling, of course, but um, it depends why you're there and if it's a job, if it's just for hobby. If I think this is something maybe our audience, uh, some people don't know. It's about uh, working Uh, as a social uh, as a um, social media influencer for example that sometimes you're or as a blogger sometimes you are invited in a certain place actually with mm -hmm. a group of people and uh, you're not like the only photographer at the place but there're definitely more of you and mm -hmm. uh, yeah you end up probably trying to do something different but when there are so many people around it can it can end up being either similar or just annoying <laughs> that other people copy your settings that's for sure yeah yeah <laughs> i think yeah. it happened to the best of us <laughs> so uh, a little bit uh, talking about berlin and the uh, current uh, corona um, issues Uh, how did Corona uh, actually uh, pandemic changed your professional life? Uh, did you lose any jobs? Uh, did you start some new project right now? Like how, how does your workday uh, look like today? Yes, some jobs have been postponed <laughs> to an uncertain date. So in other words, I lost some jobs. <laughs> um, I also had to cancel my trip to Mexico, which was also a, an Instagram corporation. So a job basically. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I started some new projects or rather I have some ideas about um, what I can do at home, what I, um, how I can be more creative at home. And this is actually this, I, I've been thinking about this for a long time, uh, even before Corona. I mean, I, I'm waiting for this moment where I can travel again, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I also want to have this plan B, you know, if I cannot travel, what can I do? What, what can I capture? This yeah. is something i'm now working on at the moment yeah this is this is actually a, a thought which i think a lot of travel photographers had recently and i was talking to a few people as well already mm -hmm. and everybody wants to 
to maybe focus on yeah doing something different for example with myself like i already wanted to concentrate on my um on my portrait photography for quite a while and uh, mm -hmm. also because i was traveling so much that it wasn't really even pleasant in the end like i was constantly on the go and i was at home in berlin only only maybe like one week maximum two weeks a month and living from the airports it sounds like a dream but in the end I was really really exhausted and my it's I even stressful. I even recorded a video like just a few few months before the the whole corona pandemic that I'm really like tired and stressed and I feel like I have a burnout from all the traveling mm -hmm. and uh, I think this is uh, something also that which I think now helped me in a certain way to uh, totally restructure and uh, try to concentrate on little different things because yeah, sometimes totally. we really need we really need some pu a push uh, maybe by by the by by life <laughs> we need to exactly. be yeah, yeah so we can actually start doing something new and uh, we'll see how it will change i mean i would i'm definitely also looking forward to traveling even not professionally but just I, I just noticed even going for a little weekend, like fly away to, I don't know, Mallorca <laughs> would be such a great <laughs> relief right now just to see a different landscape, not only Berlin. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I can definitely feel you. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually thought of like, it would be really nice to go to Istanbul. I mean, now it's such a great time to do so before it's getting really hot. But of course, I don't think it's going to be. Mm, forget it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, what do you actually miss most now during the social distancing time? Um, yeah, what do you, are you, are you spending a lot of time at home? Do you actually, uh, I mean, you, you also live in Berlin, so we know that Berlin is not so strict, but still, like, are there certain things which you are really looking forward to uh, after the, the whole pandemic uh, hopefully ends? <laughs> Well, of course, traveling, like we said, I worked and traveled a lot at the end of 2019 and it was really stressful for me too. So I decided to take a break till March and um, the plan was then um, starting traveling again from March with Mexico and then Corona came. So it's been a while since my last trip. I miss traveling a lot. I also miss my family. They're still in Istanbul and I don't know when I'll be able to visit them again. Mm -hmm. And this is quite bad, actually. And the plan was that they, uh, my sister and my mother um, wanted to come to Berlin in summer. Uh -huh. So they will probably not be able to do it anymore. I, of course, also miss hanging out with friends. Um, you know, it's almost summer now and it's a great time to hang out with friends for barbecues for like everything we do in Berlin and we cannot enjoy Berlin right now not really not 100% and this is kind of annoying um, I'm mostly home yeah but um, I also go out uh, either by myself or with sometimes with my boyfriend or sometimes with one friend mm -hmm. with distance <laughs> but it's just like basically it's just taking a walk at the canal where I live and it's still fun but it's not of course it's not the same yeah, I also realize I also realize that this kind of social distancing, like you miss kind of meeting more than one person at, at the same time. It's yeah. it's kind of weird because I never thought about it because I have enough uh, social contact. Like you know, I live with my husband and uh, we're doing a lot every day, and we are I'm meeting friends over Zoom or maybe sometime I meet 
one friend over over with social distancing on the street but still like somehow this kind of feeling uh, of uh, like a group picnic yeah. it's 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 yeah, gone exactly. and, uh, and right now it's a little like you see a lot of people on the streets actually and um but then you you look closer and you realize it's always like either couples or one single person and it's a little bit weird because mm. this is not something you're used to in berlin because there always mm, is yeah. like huge huge groups and uh this is all all gone But at the same time, I think this is we, we should be really happy that we can actually go out because the weather in Berlin was so marvelous for the past like month. I, I, I still cannot believe it's probably something to do with the climate change now. Like the climate is changing back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like this, yeah, but it's also good. I'm happy when, it, when the weather is bad because I can stay home. Otherwise, it's kind of hard to stay home, you know. Mm, yeah, that's true. So, do you actually uh, do you work a lot at home? Uh, are you able to concentrate? Because uh, I was talking with uh, my our other guests, and there's always like some issues with procrastination at this time. Like, do you do you actually have a schedule every day? Yes and no. I don't have a schedule. I'm not this um, concentrated. Let's say, yes, I can work at home. But it's it's uh, because I've been a freelancer for almost five years or six years now, so I I'm used to work at home. So this mm -hmm. is definitely not a problem for me. But I, I can imagine people like my boyfriend. He works um, normally at an office, and now he's like kind of not so concentrated or not so motivated. But I think it's it's something that you can learn over time working yeah. at home. I actually uh, have um, feedback from my friends who are working at, uh, at offices and now they work at home that actually they prefer it because a lot of them say that they don't waste their time on uh, commuting anymore. So uh, mm -hmm. one of my friends, like she said she saves two hours every day on commute and she really mm -hmm. prefers working at home because she's a like a she's a software developer and so she just programs at home and it's the same basically as doing it in the office just without traveling each day and mm -hmm. also some people said that there's no distractions like you know nobody comes to you and be like hey let's go for a coffee let's go for a cigarette no mm -hmm. chit chat so like people are able to actually do more but i think this is not my case <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> i mean i always work at home but um as well but i have a feeling that uh, yeah i have a huge procrastination issues <laughs> mm. i'm very easily distracted yeah there are some bad and good sides about working home i think sometimes yeah. it's easier but sometimes you need people around you and you need an like an office and so let's continue with some uh like yeah some topic related to your photography again um you have a very successful instagram account um i, I really love it um but thank you let's talk <laughs> you're welcome but um i have a question like do you feel like did social media success changed your attitude towards photography Uh, do you feel like Instagram actually shapes the way you take pictures now? Maybe like the way you, uh, you the way you uh, compose them, or maybe the the motives you take are they influenced by Instagram standards? Mm, um, yes, actually, definitely, it's something I don't really like. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't start taking pictures because of Instagram or with Instagram. Mm -hmm. But before Instagram, I used to take pictures only when traveling and with a very basic camera. 
mm-hmm. um, just just like a regular tourist, you know. Yeah. And um, I didn't share these pictures. This is what Instagram changed. Um, photography became a regular thing because of Instagram. Um, this is basically because because of the huge motivation you have when you get instant feedback from thousands of people. Mm-hmm. So it's the bad, uh, it's, it's the good side of Instagram. Like Instagram doesn't really shape the way I take pictures, I think, but it basically shapes what I share on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, I also take many other pictures that I never share. People don't see them. That's why people don't know that I'm able to take um, and um, other kind of pictures. Oh yeah, and this yeah, is kind I would, of sad, mm-hmm. I think, because people sometimes think that you are your Instagram account. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't get many offers from a fashion brand because people probably think that I cannot do a fashion shoot. I was <laughs> checking your portfolio, like uh, your website, and there uh, definitely this collaborations uh, with the fashion brands, which I didn't really see on your um, Instagram account. And I really love like your work with the light; it's amazing. Like you work with people, amazing, and uh, you also photographed uh, dancers, which definitely I never saw or I, I have never seen on your um, Instagram account and I think mm. this is this is really cool yeah this is also what I've been working on you know mm. I want to expand my portfolio and update my website so people can see what I'm actually um, what I actually do it's not just Instagram Instagram is a huge part of my um, whole work I think but it's not only Instagram I do also other stuff just like you I guess you don't mm. post everything i am i'm very bad in maintaining uh, one clean uh, style um on, but you my, have you have one as well yeah, i mean i mean on my instagram definitely i i definitely feel also that it shaped the way i take pictures sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. i concentrate on this like cent- central composition often and i want to get rid of it some because i also this is why i have another instagram account as well where i'm trying to photograph more like documentary and street photography and something which is probably not so influenced by this basic yeah by this basic uh, instagram standard hmm. this is this is something um also important to mention that instagram is such a huge uh, marketing tool for us uh, as freelancers yeah, uh, yeah. and it's important also to somehow show people that you can do different things but at the same time instagram is the algorithm <laughs> does not like you changing your style too much and you know yeah, that's so it. unfair that's so unfair isn't it well at the same time this is a free platform which uh, offered us so many options to promote ourselves i mean yeah. we can always say that something went wrong but i'm thankful b- because Because of the Instagram, I managed to do things I've never dreamed of, traveling and getting all the best clients, which I could never have imagined working with just like uh, five years ago. Now mm. I, I have them and uh, this is all due to yeah my exposure on Instagram. So this is something like we also should mention positive sides because I think people now, especially on media, are concentrating a lot of the negative sides, of course. No, definitely not. I mean, I'm so thankful. The same, I think the same. Like, I I have so many jobs from Instagram. Even if um, these jobs don't include a Instagram post, I get so many jobs from Instagram. 
So I'm so thankful, really. But sometimes I also think that it's kind of unfair that you cannot do whatever you want on Instagram. But it's okay. Everything has its bad and good sides, I think. And this is the bad part of Instagram. <laughs> so what what is, in your opinion, are the dangers of uh, Instagram and other social media today? And uh, how maybe you as influencer can help to diminish those kind of dangers Maybe like educational? Well, I think the worst part of social media is um, that it makes people compare themselves to other people. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely not healthy. For This is definitely not healthy because there is always a person who is more beautiful than you, more successful or richer or whatever. You know, before social media, there were ordinary people and there were people who we see on the TV, like famous people, celebrities or whatever. Life isn't a part of TV. TV is a more abstract thing. You just watch it, but you don't compare yourself to the people on the TV. Social media changed this. Like ordinary people started to share their lives, like every part of their lives. And they share it in a way that makes you think they have the best life ever. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and if you're not old or wise enough to know that it's not real, you just envy What, Helen, your life is not, your Instagram is not real? You don't have the best life ever? This is news to me. (laughs) (laughs) I have the best life ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, but, but you know what I mean? People look at my Instagram or your Instagram and think, wow, they travel. They don't see the background of this very stressful part of traveling, you know? They don't mm-hmm. see it. It's so superficial, you know? This is the first part of social media, I think. It's so superficial. Yeah, I think a lot of people also don't understand, still still don't understand, even now when people are making a lot of money through Instagram collaborations as influencers and photographers and bloggers, a lot of people in the audience, they don't understand that behind those pictures are money, that a lot of influencers like make a lot of money by promoting certain products and especially mm-hmm. very very young people they are they're very influenced by the social media but without understanding that uh, like half of it at least is fake and i'm not saying mm-hmm. like I, i'm not saying like about your instagram because you you're a photographer who also has a big audience you you have a skill which you're selling as a photographer this is your portfolio but i'm more talking about yeah certain uh, bloggers or uh, those people who are taking a lot of selfies and they promote their lifestyle as luxurious and yeah sell this kind of image which does not really exist in real life to young teenagers who's who are not really adult or developed uh, psychologically mm-hmm. enough to understand that this is all not real yeah this mm-hmm. is the first part but maybe they should be educated by their parents they should find out that it's not real somehow do you feel like you as an influencer can help somehow this educational process Well, honestly, I've never thought of myself as an influencer. I don't. I definitely don't like this word because mm-hmm. I don't want to be in the same category with kind of people who just basically do nothing but taking a product in their hands and this is good, take this, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to buy this, trying to sell a product. This is not what I do, definitely. It's a choice. And I, like I said, I've never thought of myself as an influencer and I don't, I don't really see myself in a responsible position just because I have some followers. Mm-hmm. 
because I'm not an activist uh, or something or politician and this is a conscious choice. Well, I created my account just to share what I see. And sometimes I talk about myself or my feelings or any other topic, but I don't think that I have a responsibility just because I have followers. Well, having some following on Instagram without showing my tits or without faking or trying to get attention already gives a message, I think. And this is the only message I want to give, like that everybody, everyone actually could do what I do. You know, influencer, influencers or whatever you call them are just people just like you and they eat and they sleep and, you know, they're not different. So mm -hmm. this is, I think that this is something that people need to understand. I personally think that with a big audience already comes a, a certain responsibility because mm -hmm. you cannot just exactly you cannot just like write some kind of a radical opinion without realizing that a lot of people will see it. So mm -hmm. this is also I think uh, it is already a good good standing when you say like I don't feel uh, like I I am responsible or that I am a politician and that I should be uh, teaching people or preaching to people. This is, mm. I think this is also great because I think a lot of um, so-called influencers, they feel, oh, now I am the Jesus Christ and now I'm going <laughs> to tell people how to live their lives. And uh, I, I certainly have a lot of opinions as well. And I uh, started maybe talking a little bit more about feminism or about certain issues, uh, which I feel I have an understanding and also an experience enough to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I'm also quite careful because I don't want to be that person who is uh, telling people how to live their lives without yeah, really exactly. having the certain education or maybe even experience or knowledge about certain things. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, and, uh, yeah you always want, want to be a little bit careful with that. And especially if you have a big following, as I said, like better to be neutral than expressing some opinions which would influence somebody negatively, for sure. Mm -hmm. We talked about influence of social media, Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure that there is another question. Uh, we touched the topic of social media already. So mm -hmm. there are definitely certain gender stereotypes on Instagram, but also uh, they reflect real life. Can you tell us a little bit maybe about your experience with gender stereotypes on social media and in real life, if you had any? Yeah, well, honestly, I think I haven't experienced something directly. Because, first of all, I've never perceived my gender as an obstacle. And I think I just don't have this kind of people around me who would, who would make me think that I'm, that I'm like minus one just because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, when I was a teenager, I learned, I wanted to learn to play drums. Mm -hmm. And nobody said, nobody told me, my mother never told me, why do you want to play drums? It's a boy's thing, you know, just play piano or... <laughs> guitar or something i i didn't have this experience <laughs> seriously and and i also think i just learned not to have anything to do with this kind of people who would think that i'm uh that i cannot that i cannot do something because i'm a woman you know everybody can do whatever they want everybody can think whatever they want and say whatever they want my way is a bit like like selfish i basically ignore this kind of people and keep doing what mm -hmm. i do and i think this is my way of showing people that i'm able to do things that 
they probably think um, that I'm not. And I believe this is the best way for me. You know, everybody can choose a, a way and this is my way. It's kind of like less words, more action. I don't talk about me or things I do. I just do stuff and people see it. It's kind of selfish, maybe. I know there are lots of people in the world who experience sexism and or any kind of um, discrimination every day. But I'm kind of lucky and privileged maybe i'm out of this bubble i i would say less words more action and then you'll be fine okay that's this is a uh, the great uh, also stand that you know you just uh, stay strong and you ignore um those kind of haters i was reading recently and i've uh, i've also had this kind of stand as you for quite a while But mm -hmm. uh, then recently I was also reading about this kind of uh, that sexism nowadays very often doesn't have this aggressive side. So mm -hmm. it's not that people tell you, oh, you cannot do it. But it yeah, comes with this, uh, but it more mm -hmm. comes with this kind of a gentle, comes in the form of mansplaining or in the form of this gallant uh, when people, when men say like, oh, I just want to treat you nicely because you're a woman. And this is yeah. also a form of uh, sexism, which I always ignored because I was like, oh, that's how it is. And then mm -hmm. I realized recently that actually, um, you know what, that's not how it is. I'm not a, I don't need a. Uh, special treatment because I, I'm a woman I don't need you <laughs> to help me only because I'm a woman if I ask mm -hmm. you to help me this is this is this is okay but if I don't ask you and you're already telling me oh but you're a princess you need some some help from a big strong man then it's actually already sexism and I never thought about it like that before Un mm -hmm. until I, I I just realized that yeah this kind of very mild kind of discrimination it still undermines you as a person mm -hmm. when people constantly tell you like oh but you need this kind of like special treatment <laughs> you know you're 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 cute yeah and uh, you're like oh okay no <laughs> but uh, Yeah, so now I kind of am very sensitive to these things as well because I think a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. They, they not only experience it, that they actually um, they are forming, for example, young, young people's minds because if uh, parents tell their kids uh, don't punch the girl because she's a girl, they're giving a wrong message because they're basically saying, oh, you're able to punch a boy but not a girl. <laughs> And this is already putting a totally wrong message in, in little kids' minds. Yeah, and, it's uh, a very thin line, I think, you know, between mm -hmm. like sexism and being gentle. It's a very thin line and you can, um, sometimes you can, you can be like confused which, which part is it. I was uh, talking about it recently in a video that uh, sometimes uh, women, uh, we ourselves, we're still probably not sure also what we want because we mm -hmm. got all our rights just so recently, you know, that uh, a lot of women are still stuck maybe in this kind of a conservative upbringing. They are uh, raised by people who still remember the times when the only place for a woman was kitchen. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this kind of women, they would have a different understanding of uh, what a woman can do or how she should look like than the progressive ones. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure you actually, I mean, you're coming from Turkey and I think there's a lot of stereotypes about like Turkish women. Uh, I'm pretty of sure. Course. 
I mean, yeah, um, my, my, both my parents were teachers mm-hmm. and my mother had two jobs. You know, she worked, uh, to the, she went to the school in the mornings and in the afternoon she went to the kindergarten. She had a kindergarten that, and after that she came home and she cooked for us. This was, yeah, the, yeah, the kitchen basically belonged to my mom. <laughs> my father never cooked anything, although um, he worked less than my mom. Oh, really? So, of course. Yeah, of course. This is a stereotype. And this is, this is a, also a generation thing, I, I guess. I mean, now people, now men cook more than before, like, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yeah, I experienced a lot, of course, in Turkey and every day, sure. But, you know, they are small things, tiny things that you sometimes don't even perceive, just like you said, or mm-hmm. they are, or they happen so often that you just forget about them. This is certain things, which, as I said, like we, we, we tend to ignore just because we feel this is annoying and this is not really important for us, but because, mm-hmm. you know, you are a very strong willed woman. You never, uh, like you're never shy. I know you for now, like, quite a while and I know that you're very like you will never uh, get insulted by anyone you always have something to answer but there are certain women who just <laughs> that was a compliment I hope I hope you, thank you <laughs> but, I always have something to answer <laughs> <laughs> you do and uh, unfortunately we always have I mean I'm also like that you know I I can never be offended I mean I sometimes am offended very much and but if I'm offended then like oh the world should should break <laughs> itself because here's here it comes <laughs> uh, but honestly there are a lot of women who don't have anything to answer they were raised uh, yeah. not to to raise their voice uh, they have to be a lady you know and uh, a lot of them they just don't even and if they don't answer to those kind of microaggressions which they face every day then uh, men and probably even other women they would think this is fine to act like this Yeah, and uh, we should probably. Rem- this is why it's important, actually, to yeah, to talk about it because otherwise people won't understand that they did something wrong if you're constantly like, "Oh, that's fine," you know, it's fine. I don't. I just. I will just ignore it. But you ignore it once, you'll ignore it twice, and then you know it comes in a, such a huge pile, then you won't be able to ignore it anymore. So. Yeah, that's right. But it also depends on how it happens. I think I cannot ignore several things, but I. I, I mean. If they just think about something about me, something like negative, something like she is not able to do it or something, I know that they think this, but they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there are also this kind of situations. This is where I ignore them. But they, if they start to say something, if they start to, I don't know, have a have an effect on my work or on myself, then of course I can also be a bitch <laughs> <laughs> and that is totally fine no i think actually it is fine i think a lot of times you know uh, women are called crazy for for or bitch uh, for things uh, which for which men are called brave and uh, and uh, co- courageous courageous yeah. so uh, i think this is totally fine and we should actually not be offended by these words because very very often i was called bad words by men which tried to, which basically lost their argument. You know, they didn't have anything to tell me, but tell me that I'm a bitch. 
And uh, this is, for me, it was basically like winning the argument because I realized they have nothing else to tell me. They have no facts, no arguments. This is the only, the mm. only when they can tell me something is to basically uh, insult me. And um, yeah, this is a sign of weak people when they start <laughs> insulting each other ver verbally. So yeah, we reclaim that word. <laughs> <laughs> so you are... Uh, Turkish woman who is now living uh, in Germany, but you s definitely encountered certain um, Turk uh, stereotypes uh, about Turkish people uh, in, in Berlin, did you? Well, what I experienced the most is actually the so-called positive racism. Mm -hmm. It's basically like, oh, are you from Turkey? You don't look Turkish. <laughs> or, oh, yeah, really? Or, oh, I thought you were from Spain, um, which basically means you're like too um, modern, too educated, or too good to be Turkish. And yeah, this is kind of positive racism. Is and it people really? Say, <laughs> yeah, people say that as a compliment, you know. People oh, yeah, I know you. that because people constantly tell me, oh, you don't look Eastern European, you don't look Ukrainian, and they mean yeah. it as a compliment, yeah. Yeah, that means you don't look like a, I don't know, um, I don't know, they expect you to be happy, you know, yeah. because you look Spanish or whatever. Very um, often they tell me, oh, your English or your German is so good. Like, <laughs> you're Ukrainian, but your but English or your German is so good. And I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And this is kind of annoying because, you know, there are so many different backgrounds of Turkish immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, you cannot put them into a single box. There are people, like, who came to Berlin to, uh, to, to Germany to work so-called Gastarbeiter, like mm -hmm. guest workers. There are people who left the country um, because of some political reasons. There are people who came to Germany to study, just like me. So you cannot just put everyone in, in, in a box and like say, Turkish people, Turkish people are this or that. This is just bullshit. And I mean, I experience every day like <laughs> this kind of annoying stereotypes. They, are, they sound positive, but they are definitely not positive, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that that happens too. I think it, it helps that Berlin is such a multi multicultural city. I can imagine that those kind of stereotypes they would be different in some little town, because I already can feel it uh, as a Ukrainian. You know that mm -hmm. people also always come up with these little things. Uh, again, it's like it sounds like a microaggression, and they always feel it's a compliment for some reason when mm -hmm. actually it is absolutely not. <laughs> so I can, I can feel you, yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you actually wear, uh, wear a headscarf when you're in Istanbul? <laughs> of course, only Mondays. <laughs> only Mondays? What on the other days? <laughs> on the other days I'm naked. <laughs> only oh. Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably cut out that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should leave that. That was okay. Maybe we should. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, no people. Stereotypical people <laughs> who think with stereotypes. Take this. <laughs> What would be your advice to young girls who want to start in photography? Maybe there are a few advices or one advice. Uh, it'd be great if you could answer that. I think that. I think the most important thing is believing in yourself and what you do. If you see your gender or your origin or your language as an obstacle, you start with a minus one. 
mm-hmm. you cannot use your full power. So I would say if you have this kind of negative idea, just get rid of them. And if you're interested in photography, just start shooting, mm-hmm. like shooting things around you, your family, your friends, objects you have, your pets, the streets you walk every day, yourself maybe, but I don't mean selfies, of course. So, Unless yeah. you're really, really pretty, then you should totally shoot selfies. <laughs> of course, and then you'll have a lot face. of likes on Instagram and you'll become a <laughs> social media influence. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is my only advice. If selfies, then good selfies. That was yeah. a very bad advice. <laughs> that well, was an anti-advice. I, yeah, the more you shoot, the more you learn. And it never ends. You learn every day. I'm learning every day. So um, this would be my only advice, I think, to anyone. Shoot, shoot, and shoot more so you can learn. Because, I think this yeah. is this is a really great advice. And this is also something I repeat to people who ask me how they can get better in photography is that you have to basically practice and shoot every freaking day. Yeah, so, that's yeah. it. Well, thank you very much, Helen, for uh, talking to me today. And uh, I wish you all the best and all the greatest luck with all your new projects. And thank I hope you. to see you soon outside the the outside our apartments, maybe somewhere in the park. It would be really, really great to finally meet and probably even travel together one day again (laughs) yeah thank you very much for having me and yeah let's go for a walk maybe with social distance two meters (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would be great well thank you very much and um bye-bye have a great day bye and it's a wrap thank you for listening till the end of our bell collective podcast Talking to Helen made me nostalgic about Istanbul and Namibia. I really hope the borders will be open soon and we will be able to travel. I'm looking forward to speaking to more inspiring women in the podcasts to come, so please subscribe, tell a friend about Bell Collective, and stay out of the box.